0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands Podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. Today, we're joined by another fantastic guest, Tyler Campbell. I do a formal introduction of him, his podcast, and his business in the episode, so I'm not going to get at that to the beginning. I just wanted to hop on here and clarify why we're interviewing Tyler and people like Tyler. So we interviewed people that purchase engineering and construction services, which was very valuable. Now we also want to interview the sales leaders, the marketing leaders, and the content creators that are helped shaping the digital future of this industry. I firmly believe Tyler is one of those people. He has a fantastic story in here. He gets down that in the episode. I think you're really going to like his positive energy. We talk about how he fell in love with construction, how he created his business Story Builders, how he launched his podcast. Construction Brothers with his brother, Eddie. I mentioned that in the episode. Once again, another plug. It's fantastic. We talk about the role of CEOs and how that's changing and they need to be more involved with marketing. We talk about creating good content and what good content is. We talk about some of the missteps that we see happening in industry and where we think we need the industry needs to go. And lastly, like every episode, Tyler delivers his best routine or habit and- You'll have to pay attention in the end to hear that, but another fantastic gem for everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. So without further ado, here's our episode with Tyler Campbell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Evolving Engineering and Construction Brand Podcast. I am joined today by another special guest, Tyler Campbell. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. Tyler, if you're not familiar with Tyler, he is somewhat of a construction and LinkedIn celebrity. I was very glad that he agreed to come on the show. Him and I share similarities in our path and the way he got into marketing and this industry is something that I am very passionate about, similar like he is. So I can't wait to dive in this conversation. But to set Tyler up, Tyler came into his family business, ABSI, as an apprentice beginning in early 2012. He worked with ABSI for 10 years, modeling and detailing medical office buildings, entertainment venues, industrial facilities, and other projects. During that time in the construction industry, Tyler fell in love with helping construction companies tell their stories through social media, podcasting, design, photography, and videography. Like I said, a LinkedIn all-star. He began to notice the difficulties construction companies have when hiring marketers. Marketers typically don't have industry experience, so the content they create doesn't resonate as much as it could, or in my opinion, should. In 2021, Tyler launched StoryBuilder. StoryBuilder's mission is to help contractors tell their stories. He helps construction brands develop a strategy around social media, create content, clarify messaging, develop employee advocacy, and build influence. Tyler, what a resume. Welcome. Thanks, man.
1: You made me sound way better than it actually is. <laughs> really appreciate no, man. that calling me Uh, a a star on on LinkedIn. I'm like sitting here like, all right, I only have like 6,000 followers. So I guess the bar's low. (laughs) Hey,
0: I consider stardom a little bit different. You're out there actually generating results. Do you have the most followers? No, but you're working with companies. You're actually executing the work. You're doing things. You're delivering results for your clients. That's a LinkedIn all-star in my opinion.
1: I mean, I appreciate it. Yeah, it just goes to prove that you don't have to have a million followers to be effective. I feel like that's a question that I get all the time is like, how many followers do I need before I can start seeing results? It's really not as many as you'd think. It's really not. It's just a matter of engaging with them and being friendly and just trying to help people. It's sales one-on-one guys, just be a friend. That's it. (laughs) Stop trying to just stab people in the back with your marketing (laughs) page immediately. And things are going to go a lot better for you. Promise. Yes. promise. And maybe if you just don't talk about yourself the whole time, that would be a (laughs) Yeah, we need to get better at that. Dude, do you get email or messages on LinkedIn that are just like an automated campaign? I feel like I get those a lot. I connect with somebody and then I just am getting an automated campaign for the next three months. It's like- Just letting you know, this new thing just got launched and I really thought you'd be interested. I didn't I didn't sign up for this. Stop. Stop. Does this work for you. Anyway. All right. I'll hold the rant. <laughs> no, I listen, I'm with you. I'm actually in the
0: process right now of writing something called SaaS sucks. I see so many marketers in our space look to SaaS as like, hey, the way you want to do things, just because they're the most vocal on LinkedIn. When wait a second, does anyone like the experience of an email cadence? Does anyone like the follow-up as soon as you open a form? I'm not sure. No, not really.
1: I don't know. Do you have any data to back up that email works? I've been trying to unearth this. Does email as a cold outreach platform work for people? It doesn't feel like it does. I always just delete it immediately. (laughs) Listen, I'm the same way. And I think in
0: our industry, it has even more hurdles. I have not seen a study done in our industry First, let's get into. We'll get too far <laughs> off the rails. I'm supposed to be hosting here. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Let's uh, let's get into Tyler. You have a you have great experience in the industry. Why don't you talk a little bit about your family business? Your brother, who's also your co-host Eddie, and then get into how you got in the family business and how you ultimately turned that into Storybuilders.
1: And I have ADHD. Well done. Well done. So. Yeah, I started in the family business in 2012, and really ultimately what that was is I, I didn't know the difference between a beam and a column at that point. I was just a little, little 19-year-old Tyler coming into the industry, and so I sat next to my dad at first, and he taught me the ropes and how to do structural detailing, working with engineers and architects and project managers, and then slowly over time, I actually started working with Eddie, my brother, who is my counterpart in the podcast, and so we worked together for 10 years total and just really developed a cool relationship. There's 13 years age gap between us too. So it was very much like a mentorship role between he and I, and he mentored me and brought me up in the industry, and taught me everything that I know in construction. And during that time, we were able to do a lot of cool projects, like at Golf. we did 42 of those across the U.S. And we also did Tampa General Hospital, and that was one of my bigger ones and all sorts of stuff, man. So really big structures. I fell in love with all things like photography, marketing, just kind of blanket sweeping it, marketing. I fell in love with that probably in 2014, I'll say somewhere in there. It was right after I got married because my wife was actually in mass com. And so I started seeing what she was doing. I was like, actually, that's like really cool. I really like that. <laughs> and so I started learning on my own. I think it was eight years ago, right? My math is probably completely off, but it was eight years ago is really when I started developing that love and learning more about it. And I realized, dude, there's a big gap in what is taught in marketing and how the industry actually works. And so when we take what is taught in a marketing class and try to apply it to our industry, it falls on its face and never actually gets results. So I don't know, just a lot of time, a lot of pressure really developed my methodology for how I approach things. And uh, yeah, then we started the podcast as like a proof of execution or not proof of execution, but just said a way to give myself a a way to plug in and do this thing for realsies. (laughs) And uh, that's grown so much over the years. And we've had so many people come to us and we've been able to talk to so many and just, I don't know, it's built a following and uh, it's just really crazy to step back and see what's happened over the past 10 years. (laughs) Pretty decent story arc there. So yeah, that's kind of the long and short of it. So I assume that you started out before the podcast,
0: even you started doing this for your family business. Is that correct? Or am
1: I wrong? Yeah, yes and no. Okay. There's <laughs> There was a little bit of a disconnect on what we actually did. There's what we actually made money on and what we actually wanted to do. And we could never really get the stars to align on that. So it's really hard to market something when you don't have clarity. That was like first lesson learned is that if you don't have a really refined look at like how you can bring value to people any marketing you do is going to fall on its face like it's not going to work i feel like i learned more lessons on what not to do through the <laughs> than actually <laughs> what to do and uh, construction brothers was more like here's what you do <laughs> yeah it was yeah on separate thing that i was able to play with
0: i assume that it still generated
1: some awareness for the base business so is that correct yeah, yeah, it has. It's built up a lot of relationships in the industry and allowed Eddie to go out and connect with people and make sales through that too. So it's really cool to see though we're not really marketing our business through the podcast. That's not the intention. Things fall out of the sky because people listen. And it takes time though. And I, I feel like that's where people get lost, is that like it's worth Three years into the podcast now, it's taken every bit of that to really build traction. And uh, whenever I say that, people are like, wow, three years? I got to wait three years before I can start like seeing leads or benefit? And like, yeah. But really, once you get here, it's a cool place to be because everybody's coming to you. You're not really having to go to them nearly as much. And it's a much more comfortable position to sit in long-term, I'll say. So yeah, building a brand is definitely... <laughs> It's worth it. In the long run, it's worth it. <laughs> Great segue. So
0: I want to get into more of the details. And I also want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the dynamic between you and your brother because I have a brother and for some reason we do not get along as well as you two do. So definitely want to hear if there's behind the scenes kidney punches and throat chokes like there would be with my brother and
1: I, or if you guys oh, really yeah. get along that well. <laughs> oh no, man, that happens all the time for sure. Well, what's the age gap between you and your brother? Let me ask Uh, two years. Okay. That's the reason why that's the reason why (laughs) you guys grew up in the bullpen together where you had that chance to just beat on each other. Eddie and I, because there's a, there's a big age gap there. Our common enemy was Andy, our middle brother. So poor Andy got it from both sides. So Eddie would beat on him and then I would get Andy in trouble too. And so we, Eddie and I just kind of had this common threat that we worked against So when we started working together, it was really cool because it's just like a camaraderie was already built (laughs) in there. And uh, I don't know. The the age gap too allowed there to be a lot of respect from my end towards him. And and so there was, and and I, I don't know, he was able to big brother me. It's just, it worked out a lot better. So since there's an age gap there, I think that's probably the reason why. Otherwise we'd beat on each other like crazy, so... That makes sense. That makes sense. A little
0: plug for the Construction Brothers podcast, if you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to do that. Tyler is hilarious. So is Eddie. Their dynamic is great. Eddie's a little bit more straight-laced than Tyler. I've heard him proclaim on multiple episodes that... Yeah, that doesn't make sense, Tyler. And I speak, Tyler, I think it's what he said multiple times of, I understand your humor better than anyone. So if I don't get it, we got to back up on this one. So there's a really good conversation like that. But from a construction standpoint, there's a lot of depth and substance too. I've heard one really great conversation that you aired a couple of years ago around Legos. And then Mm. your brother was joking about how many drawings come from engineers saying, you know, field coordinator, (laughs) field verification, per field verification. And if you're in construction, you understand how difficult that is when you're trying to erect something. And the whole thing is dependent on a stack of
1: field verified assumptions. And you got to realize, too, like in our role, we would see upwards of 100 jobs a year. So we would see a lot of different jobs cross our desks. And so we got a chance to see a ton of architectural drawings and a ton of engineering drawings. Eddie still does because he's still doing that, right? So there's a lot of feedback that we can give based off of just seeing so many things. And I mean, good grief, man. We saw more in a year than most people see in their entire career, which is crazy. I don't know. It's coming from that perspective of just seeing a lot of stuff and trying to provide encouragement, not just dissing everybody and just like beating on everybody for getting it wrong. And it should be our way and not this way. Really it's coming from a place of just trying to give feedback and help the industry grow, giving fresh perspectives, all of that. So yeah, it's, it's fun.
0: Once again, encourage you to check it out. The technology also do a great job of highlighting technology. The most recent technology episode, I believe was with the Boston dynamics. Uh, they didn't call it a robot. They called it a platform vehicle or something. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah.
1: That was Spot. That was Spot. Uh, Yes. I recently, well, I say recently. So we shot a video with Trimble and we took Spot out in Denver and it was snowing a lot and there was ice on the ground. So I got to watch Spot try to navigate the ice. It was actually pretty impressive. It looked like Bambi, but it actually stayed (laughs) upright. It was
0: really cool. So anyway. Uh. That is awesome. So check out the Construction Brothers podcast. Subscribe. Very entertaining, very substantive, poignant conversations. Then they do a nice thing on Friday to do a short series of different tips and tricks. I don't want to say tricks. It's more tips for your different discipline. And then also I really appreciate Tyler's approach to being very vocal about anxiety and then also positivity. So that's my plug for the Construction Brothers podcast. I'm going to quit talking as much. Tyler, we're going to transition here to what's your favorite brand and why? And then we'll get into some of
1: the engineering construction marketer questions. Ooh, dude, I was thinking about this one a lot. I'm not going to lie. I saw this question before you sent it. So, I'm going to be the typical brand guy and say Nike. I'm so sorry. I, everybody right. groans. But I got to say Nike has done a really stinking good job of developing out just this cult following behind what they do. And it's so recognizable. Like, it's amazing. It's really amazing what they've accomplished. So I don't know. That That's probably my favorite, favorite at, for right now, for right yeah. now. <laughs> hey, here's another
0: follow question. Do you yeah. have a smaller up-and-coming brand that you want to shout out? Ooh. Without
1: getting you in trouble here, because I know you have yeah. customers too. Oh, dude, I got... Okay, so a uh, smaller up-and-coming brand that I feel like is doing a really good job, and, and I'll say this because they... <laughs> Disclaimer, they do sponsor our podcast, but I'm not going to shout them out for that reason. Is that they do really good with their video content advertisements and they've been really good about building their brand. Company Cam, they have done a freaking awesome job. Like I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and uh, come across this video and I'm just cracking up watching an ad. And I'm like, holy crap, that's Company Cam. They're actually doing a really freaking good job with this. So shout out to Jordan over there. He's putting together a lot of their marketing strategy. Like they've they've done a good job. So yeah, small up and comer, but I'd say small up and comer. They're a bigger company, but smaller than Nike. (laughs) Yeah. Give them a little more
0: exposure. That's good. We want to highlight all the good content creators in this space. I like the Nike one too, because I I feel like Nike is one of those brands that does a good job of meaning different things to different folks. And so I think that's a challenge for brands nowadays, especially a B2C brand in the political climate that we have today where you have to take a stand for certain things, but how do you, how do you make your thing be about you and about the people that you serve and not as much about the politics and the voice of the day. And I feel like Nike has done a good job of like them or not, they have done a good job of kind of walking that line. There are people I feel like that want them to be more political, that would argue they should be more political. And I feel like there are people that would want them to be less and argue it, but they yeah. all still wear their stuff. And so to me, that's a good brand.
1: Yeah. I don't agree with them. And yet I still have the check on my shoe too. You know, so it's amazing what a good brand can, what a good brand can do for sure. So, and they're, yeah, I mean, they're killing it. <laughs> they're killing it.
0: Absolutely. I'm a big Nike fan myself. All right. So now let's talk about, Story Builder. And so, what did you see in the market that caused you to want to start Story Builder? And then, how has that vision changed since you started
1: to get into the company and started to work with more customers? So, when I first started it, I had this initial idea of bridging the gap between marketing and construction, right? Like, I felt like there was a massive disconnect because you think about it, most marketers are coming out of school or coming from a different industry altogether. And they're thrown into construction and construction is a super dynamic and kind of intense thing to understand, like coming into it. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about BIM and VDC, right? Let's talk about reality capture. Let's talk about photogrammetry, light, LIDAR scanning. Let's get into, Oh, geez, man. I don't know. There's so many things. <laughs> There's just a lot to learn. In yeah. the, a lot There's a lot to learn. And so When I started this up, I'm like, maybe I could help marketers by, you know, kind of more consulting come in and clarify messaging, make sure they're not not accidentally lying to people because I've seen that happen before. They'll say it could do one thing, but the reality is it doesn't. And it was a disconnect between construction and marketing. So that was kind of my first iteration of Story Builder, I'll say. And then it eventually became, after helping clients, all right, now I need to add in a social media component. Now I need to create videos. Now I need to create photos. Now I need to help build articles and blogs and just all of this stuff that falls under the marketing umbrella that I can take care of that for a lot of people. And now it's more of a fully baked, full service marketing agency that services only construction, construction tech, and then sub trades specifically. So... It's been fun to see how it's all just changed over the span of a year. A lot can change.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine continuing to evolve too.
1: Oh, every day, every day. That's the beauty of business ownership is just trying to figure out ways that you can help clients, but it's fun, man. I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Yeah. Love to hear it, man. I
1: So we haven't met before this
0: podcast and my experience is a little bit different in the industry. I worked for a large OEM in the power generation space and then worked at Kiewit for a handful of years. And so my experience is with the larger construction companies or the larger engineering firms. And it's funny how people at two way different spots in the market see the same thing. So that means we both must be onto something. And also it, that we met this first time, it also shows how uh, bifurcated the market is. There's not a ton of people that are doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. It's like, we need more people like us, not less people like us.
1: <laughs> and I think, they're, I think the biggest thing too, like for us is, as business owners, and this is call to action for you and me both, is to make sure that we're educating the people that we bring in that are experts in marketing and helping them understand the plight of people in construction. Mm-hmm. Like help them understand how the industry works. And that way they're not just completely lost when they come in. That's, the, that's really the separator between us and the other marketing agencies out there is actually understanding how the industry works. So having spent time in the field, I, I'll throw my hand up and say, I am much more acquainted with construction than I am with marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Like experience wise, I spent a decade in construction. I have more construction experience the marketing experience, which is probably a horrible sales pitch, but it's ended up actually being a pretty decent one too. because I can speak the lingo. You can connect with people on a different level and you feel like you can understand their business and why they're valuable and try to share that with other people. So it's, I don't know, man, it's, it is important that we're doing this. So I love that there are other people out there doing it too. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it's competition. I'm like, good. That's great, man. It's fun. (laughs) Like let's, let's help each other out and make the industry better. At the end of the day, there's room. That's fun. I feel like there has to be a lot
0: more people in the space before I view anyone as competition. Unless you want to grow this monstrous business that's going to consume 90% of a multi-trillion dollar market, we're not really competing at this point. You creating good content and educating people about the importance of communicating digitally and growing a brand benefits me just like I hope that me communicating the same information to different people ultimately benefits you the same way. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I made that mistake whenever I was young in the industry is that I or young in the in the podcasting spaces. I got really competitive and just like trying to take other podcasts down. And the reality of it is, you know, now three years later, I'm like, wow, those were actually my friends now. Like those are those are people <laughs> that I really enjoy their company and what they do. And I was talking to Jeff Sample, Contact crew podcast. We were hanging out at the Procore event a couple weeks ago, and we were listening to Fred Mills speak, the B1M guy on mm-hmm. YouTube. And Fred was talking about how he wants to make the industry a better place. And he like did this whole thing and this whole spiel. And I just kind of lean over to Jeff. I'm like, that's what I'm doing, what I'm doing. He's like, me too. And I'm like, good. We're we're in lockstep on that. We're trying to make the industry yeah. a better place, right? And, and Fred is too. And he's got this massive audience. And so I got a chance to talk to Fred and I was like, dude, you're an encouragement to me. Good job. Thank you for doing what you do. And just, I don't know. It's just, it's a better place to be an encourager. And there's more good that happens in that place than trying to take other people down. There's no reason for it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It's such a big
1: world anyways.
0: And I think some of the generational stuff is overblown. I don't think necessarily all younger people are lazy, but I do think there's a higher barrier to get them to be interested in something and to want to put forth like, you know, hard effort and hard work. And so just the fact that you're willing to work hard and put in the effort separates you from a lot of people in this world anyway. So it's, it's one of those things. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan holiday. Oh yeah. I love his
1: stuff, man. Yes.
0: Yes. So he does a great job. He talks in some of his stuff when he talks to authors, he talks about, I'm not competing with other authors. I'm competing with people not reading. Like the more people (laughs) that read my stuff, the more likely they are to read. And I think of this the same way. Would you rather go turn on a Netflix show of, whatever the tiger show is or the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, or do you want to go sit down and consume a construction brothers podcast and understand a little bit more about the industry and also some human stories?
1: Yeah. Me personally,
0: I'd rather consume the construction brothers podcast, but I think that's the industry we have to help everyone else get there too.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was the other thing too, is like Fred, they just started a podcast called the best construction podcast, which I'm offended by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So But I went over to him and I was like, dude, thank you for starting a podcast. Thank you. Because guess what? His podcast is going to have so much more listenership than mine because he's got like 3 million people that follow him on YouTube. The guy's got amazing reach. He's going to have a lot of people open up the door and start listening to construction podcasts. And guess what? I'm also sitting there. He's going to grow the whole space for us. It's really cool. So he's making people aware that construction podcasts exist. It's so funny. Like I get that all the time. People, they're construction podcasts. Yeah, they're construction podcasts. And they're awesome because I'm a little bit biased, but they're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You and your brother
0: do a fantastic job of, like I said, keeping you entertaining, but then also delivering the substance and depth that I think people are looking for in an industry podcast
1: we try our best, man. We really do. We've had to we've had to kill some ideas recently where we we're like, "Oh, man, this could be really fun, but it wasn't driving enough value to the people that <laughs> listen," so we've had to kill it. It's just an ever-changing thing and I don't know, it's a lot of fun for me, but we we have a lot of fun making the show, for sure. So. Yeah.
0: So we talked a little bit earlier about the marketer's role in the industry, where it's a lot of proposals, it's a lot of events, internal, external presentations. Not that those things aren't important, but those aren't really marketing to your customers. How do you think the role of marketing changes in engineering and construction over the next five to
1: 10 years? Yeah, I think we're looking at it through the lens, like you said, of being event people. Like we're going to events and dude, like events are expensive. I don't know if you noticed recently, (laughs) but like I'm walking around some events lately and these people are dropping 25, 30 grand, like it's nothing. And I'm like, man that money could be used so much more effectively (laughs) marketing your business online and then maybe sending your salespeople out there to mix and talk to people and be in a more, you know, friendly environment. Cause I don't know about you at events. I typically try to avoid the booths. That's just me. Uh, more recently, not so much because I'm like, Hey, I have something I could sell you. (laughs) So I put the script on them, (laughs) which is a lot of fun But people get really uncomfortable with that. Anyway. So, I've just been noticing how much people are spending on events lately. Events and sponsoring things, putting their logo up there, which isn't necessarily bad. But man, when they're a smaller company, like that's their entire marketing budget for the flipping year, man. And how many impressions is that? That's maybe a thousand, maybe at a good event, about a thousand. Like I could get a thousand impressions in my sleep online. (laughs) And... Yeah, that's a post on a Every Tuesday. That is a post on a <laughs> Tuesday, man. Like I've had content that goes up to oh my gosh, man, ninety thousand impressions on one wow. of them, or maybe hundred and thirty on another. <laughs> I made a video for Trimble that that had four hundred thousand impressions. On, I mean, they're not going to get that at a flipping event, man. It's I think it's all these things kind of together. So I still believe in the boots on the ground effort. I still believe that it's important to go meet people, to talk to people, get face to face, show that you're real, show that you're not a bot. That's important. But you can't forget that the social media component to everything that you do is, oh, my gosh, this is so important. And the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to become fluent in how to communicate online. And you're going to be ahead of all of your other competitors. It there's so many people not doing this right now. That's the reason why you need to do it right now, is there are <laughs> not many people doing it. So, there's my hard self for reasons why you need to be online, but I've seen the benefit myself. I don't go to events to sell things, I post online and I get leads, and I don't even post with the intention of getting leads. I just post. It's amazing what can happen when you're when there's clarity in your profile of what you do and you post, people will see that and they will contact you. Yeah, but there
0: is a key ingredient there though. You create good content. Because I see people, I work with people and they'll say, we've tried this. Let me see what you posted. Oh, you mean you posted how you hired someone and how you completed this project and how you gave this to charity and you did that twice a week and you're telling me it didn't work because you did that?
1: All right i'm getting the hat backwards on this one all right (laughs) people post about themselves too freaking much they talk about themselves and their successes let me clue you in on something nobody cares (laughs) what you sold they don't care they care what you can do for them that's what they care about what can you do for them that's it that's it all right like It drives me nuts. I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they were like, we're making tons of content. Tons of content. It's just not getting any engagement. It's like, our content's great, but we're we're not getting engagement. I'm like, I pushed back on him, and I kind of irritated him a little bit. I said, your content's not good then. If it's not getting engagement, it's not good. You're not giving them valuable things. You're not giving them something. That's this... We have to disconnect from this thinking of we, ah, man, I'm getting revved up here, real revved up, getting preachy. We are constantly posting with this mindset of what am I going to get out of posting? What am I going to get out of this post that I make? Screw that. You need to post with what can I give people? What can I give them for free? (laughs) And screw the leads. I don't care what leads come from this. It's not about sales. It's about helping people. That's it. And if we post using that mindset, it's amazing what happens. You grow. People actually want to be associated with you because you're not a flipping skeedy salesperson. <laughs> and I see that so much. The messaging thing that we were talking about earlier, man, like where people connect with you and then they just start sending you messages over and over and over again. They have the black spot. You remember in Pirate, was it like Muppet Treasure Island or something like that? Yeah, where they yeah. Black spot. <laughs> yes. These people get the black spot for me. I don't communicate with them ever. And I would assume everybody across the board on LinkedIn that they connect with, they have the black spot. They don't want to communicate with them. They're just like, you're annoying. Stop it. I know mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. It's one-sided. Shut up. Yeah. Flip it the other direction. If they would actually post something that was genuine... Talk about themselves in a place that is like, here's where I struggle. Here's what I know. Here's what I can, I've seen issues in this area, in this area, in this area, and just talk about what they know. So much growth will happen. All right, there's my rant. I love the rant. I'm in full support
0: of the rant. My experience is there's two reasons that companies do that. The first reason is they don't understand social media. They just flat out don't understand it. And they think that the way to be able to achieve things for some reason is to just continually talk about yourself. But the other reason that I don't feel like is talked about as much, and this is where you and I help marketers, is if you don't know what to talk about. You talk about what you know. And so, if you only understand the industry and what your company does at a very superficial level, that's all you'll ever communicate. And you need to go considerably deeper than that to actually speak to people that are in the industry.
1: So, the role of the CEO of the C suite is changing. Know that if you own a business, the role is changing. You need to be heavily involved. In your marketing (laughs) you don't want to hear that because you're like i want to be able to hand that to somebody and delegate it okay you can't you can and you can't you are the subject matter expert right you are the person that needs to drive value you need to speak to the industry your marketer underneath you needs to know how to Pull that information out, the valuable stuff, and cut it up into different pieces of content that can be valuable for people as a whole. Your role as a CEO is changing and people need to get that through their heads, especially in construction, where it's very dynamic, it's very difficult to understand things going on. You can't just hand this over to a marketing person that just came out of college and expect them to understand the industry as a whole. Yes, stupid. You're not going to be able to do that. Did you re- understand the industry on your first day? No, you didn't.
0: <laughs> no, I went what? out and looked for the, I went out and looked for the air hook and stuff like that and earned, did the dumb things that people do to you. So you learn the industry and you learn construction.
1: (laughs) Hi, go get the beam stretcher, the board stretcher. (laughs) This is the sort of stuff that like, they don't know. They're fresh in the industry, you know, even if they're coming from another industry into it and they've got 20 years worth of marketing experience, they don't know our industry. Yes. They don't know. Help them. You need to be that person that gives them content to post. You can't just say, go post stuff. That's not the way that works. And to, to push a little bit on marketers too, you can't just look
0: to that leader and say, tell me what to say. You have to create a process that pulls that out of them. And then you also have to be interested enough to learn. One of the things that frustrates me when I meet with some marketers in the industry is they don't care about the industry. And I understand not everyone is passionate about what they do, but if you think you're going to be able to form, you're going to tell good stories and you don't care about the people that are out there actually doing it. I apologize, but I think you're in la-la land. Uh, So you said earlier you were preaching. Well, I'll tell you, amen, I'm with you. I'm uh, (laughs) a hook, line and sinker. I'm bought in.
1: Yeah, man, it's like you said, like marketers also need to be engaged in learning, but we also need to be engaged with teaching the marketers too. So it's, it's kind of both and, but yeah, don't go into la la land. You're, you're not going to find success there. And also I would say to the marketers and to the C-suite, it's going to take a heck of a lot longer than you think, because think about this. We are not selling a $30 hat. (laughs) <laughs> we are selling a $30 million package of HVAC. That crap doesn't happen overnight. Like no. marketers will come in and say, oh, we're going to run some Google ads because that's what they've learned in other industries. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to work. That's going to work. We No, you sell using relationships. How is your content developing a relationship that leads to a conversation that may lead to a sale. You're able to hit a lot more eyeballs online and generate a lot more conversations online than you ever would at an event. You just have to approach it properly, just have to approach it properly. So uh, the thing that drives me crazy is people running Google ads and saying that's their marketing strategy (laughs) for something that costs $30 million. I'm like, this is just Idiocy. I can't.
0: <laughs> my, one of my early gate questions for a marketing team is tell me how your company makes money and acquires customers. And if mm. you can't clearly communicate how that happens, how can you communicate how you're going to influence that process? But we could go on with this forever, but we're running here to the end of the episode. We'll have to have you back on again because we we can dive more and maybe we can do some special episodes or something, maybe some tactical advice just of how we can actually help marketers get from like zero to one. And then, you know, eventually if they like what we say, maybe they'll want to work with us. Who knows? We're here to help. All right. So for the last question, this is important because we, a lot of younger professionals consume our podcast. And so we like to provide value at the end by every guest that we come on. Why don't you discuss your best routine and habit and how it's impacted your life?
1: Okay, so right off the bat, I'm a Christian, all right? So that's a big part of who I am. And so my routine in the morning is wake up, read, pray, walk, that's it. So in that order. So I wake up with my kids because they wake up at six. I go turn on blippy for them. I go over to our dining room table and I sit and I read scripture and then I pray and I do that for, you know, I don't know. depends on how long I'm feeling it that morning. I'll be honest. It could be two minutes. It could be two, two hours and then journal. So I've been getting into journaling a lot more. And then I go out for a walk and typically that walk is about an hour. So I've been taking my dog with me and he's been really enjoying it. And he's a pest now too, now that he's gotten (laughs) used to that. He like comes over to me at eight o'clock and he just stares at me. (laughs) It's time. We're going. Yeah. That's my routine in the morning. And man, it's life-changing. It really is. It's a breath of fresh air. It gets me started for the morning and coffee is also a big part of that too. So yeah, I (laughs) immediately get coffee.
0: I can feel the coffee portion. I like the spirituality, the reflection, all of that stuff. Sounds like a great way to start your day. And I also can appreciate Blippy dominating your living room television. I have a 3-year-old uh-huh. who is obsessed with Blippy. So, I have actually dressed for Blippy. That was that one hit very close to home. Yeah. Tyler, want to thank you again. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. For those listeners that made it all the way to the end, Check out the Construction Brothers podcast. Check out Story Builder. Check out Tyler. Connect with him on LinkedIn and help us grow this industry together. Have a great week, everyone. Until next time, stay healthy, wealthy, and happy, my friends.